0: Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you.
1: We've just lost 90% of our young audience out there. Who's Susan Lucci? I don't know why they're an old lady voice, but anyways. And he'd be like... oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah exactly all you want (laughs) agree to disagree Disney fight (laughs) see
0: two dudes talking about Disney (laughs) so many viewers we just lost so many
1: (laughs) hello I'm Mike Field and I'm Mike Butler and you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast each episode we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hello, Butler. Hello, Michael. Let me tell you the story about Cain and Abel. <laughs> on one hand, I forgot to learn. Okay.
0: <laughs> one hand, you have a hate. It's taking down love. Love looks like it's down. But then, oh, look at that. Love's coming back up. Love's coming back out. And squashes
1: hate. Nice, nice. If you know- I never
0: heard it told better in my life. (laughs) You need
1: a man in that house. So if you've heard these lines before, that's right, we're doing The Night of the Hunter, the 1955 movie starring Robert Mitchum, directed by Charles Lawton. But uh, before we get into all that cast and crew, do you want to start off with what it's about? Sure. Let's do that, because let's change it up. So before I go into the, the nuts and bolts of the movie- Mr. Butler is going to explain
0: to you what the Night of the Hunter is all about. Ooh, I can't wait. So during the Great Depression, Ben Harper kills two men and steals $10,000. Before he's captured by the police, he hides it in his young daughter Pearl's doll and swears that his son John and Pearl never tell anyone, not even their mother Willa, where it's hidden. He also swears that John always keep his sister Pearl safe, no matter how annoying Pearl ends up getting in the movie. She gets annoyed. That's not Um, really part of the synopsis. That is not part of the synopsis. As Ben is put away uh, in jail, so is self-appointed Reverend Harry Powell. He's sent to prison for 30 days for car theft, even though no one really knows the severity of his real crimes because he's a serial killer of women who uh, pretty much uh, hates all of them and thinks they're all immoral, you know, baby makers who, if they're not doing that, they're all, you know... Skanks and hoes and stuff like that. I don't know if he used skanks and hoes in this movie. Not back then, but you know, you get the idea because it's the 30s. The movie takes place in the 30s. Correct. I apologize. Uh, He always, but he's kind of an anti-black widow, I guess. I don't know what you would call the dude version (laughs) of that. He's a man. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, he woos all these women, these lonely women and kills them and taking their money and then heads to the next town to bring God's wrath and justice to him and does it again and again and again. Always carrying his trusty switchblade on uh, he hates when people touch.
1: Yeah, as Charles Lawton describes it, he's a diabolical shit.
0: No, that's um, that's as no, he describes he describes no,
1: no, no. He describes the character in the when they were interviewing people. He describes it. He's a diabolical shit. And Mitchum goes present, like he goes here, like oh yeah, okay,
0: okay, okay. Nice. So Harry and Ben are cellmates in prison, and Harry keeps trying to tell get Ben to tell him where he hid the ten thousand dollars because I guess Ben's crime is a big deal, so everybody knows about this ten thousand dollars. Ben refuses, and he's hung for his crimes. Harry's released after his 30 days are up and goes to Ben's house where he tries to seduce Willa to try to find the money. Uh, What he finds out basically is that John and Pearl know where the money is. Willa doesn't. He gets sick of Willa and trying to slowly get the information out of him. So he kills Willa, slits her throat, drops her in a river and tries to threaten the children into telling him where the money is. Telling him where the money is. Uh, John and Pearl escape from Harry on a small boat down the river and basically the rest of the film is John and Pearl on a riverboat Trying to make ends meet, trying to live and avoid the the wrath of Harry Powell, who goes after them in search of the $10,000. Correct. Nice job. Thanks. Nice job. So
1: I believe this is the oldest movie that we've ever done. That we've done, 55? yes. Okay. Far, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, we should do more, I think. I, I like watching older films. And this movie has... It's very influential in terms of for other filmmakers and just in terms of how people view film back then in the fifties because there weren't a lot of movies that were made like this. Correct. Yep. So anyways, Night of the Hunter is rated it's rated not rated. <laughs> so it would probably be that'd probably be PG thirteen. They don't have a lot of language. They don't really show a lot of the violence. They
0: don't show a lot. I think if you made it now, oh it, it might be, be it might be it, rated
1: R. I think it has to be R. It if would, if it you want If yeah. you want to make it scary for the people watching it, you have to be R because you're gonna have to show them. Oh, no, it have to be R. Anyways, uh, runtime of 92 minutes. It has a production budget of, depending upon where you look at it, it's either six hundred thousand dollars to seven hundred ninety five thousand dollars. That's what I had read. Yeah. Uh, opening week, it did nothing. To, <laughs> they don't have it. The, these older movies don't have a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I only the only number I have worldwide is that it did two thousand dollars, which is what I got. Again. You really can't judge older films like based upon how you judge m- movies now um
0: I'll tell you this two thousand dollars of a $795 thousand budget it kind of was a flop
1: no uh, agreed and <laughs> there is some there's different release dates so it actually premiered on July 26 1955 in Des Moines Iowa because the producer of this Paul Gregory is somebody who produced a lot of Law- Lawton is an actor from like Spartacus witness for the prosecution and he won the Oscar for private life of Henry VIII. He directed a lot of plays, uh, mm-hmm. Broadway plays, and Gregory was his partner, his producing partner. So they did a lot of plays. I think they did Mutiny on the Bounty. That was their big thing because I watched the trailer for this and that was when they hyped. So Gregory was, his hometown is in Des Moines, Iowa, and he premiered this movie there for a fundraiser for the local YMCA. So that's technically when it came out. It was released in Los Angeles on August 26, 1955, but then it was released in New York on September 29, 1955. So depending upon when it was released, what it was against. I mean, and I'll go through a rundown of uh, the movies that are around around that time. You know, it's but it's the movies back then are just put out. They're not really... There's no, like, big hype
0: for it. It's just, oh, it's out. Let's go see it. Right. And you cool. don't have multiplexes, so right. you only have one or two movies playing in the uh, cinema against yeah. you.
1: Which I miss those days. I miss the movies that are in the theater for quite some time they want to see again. I don't know. True. Sure. Feels old.
0: Uh, okay, so... I was going to say, I, I, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> you know some of it. You don't have... Films lasted a little longer when I was a kid, yeah, right, but not... Nah. Right. Not like the, the films back then. Would Correct. Last forever and then right. come back. Right.
1: So like I said, so depending upon the date, let's say we're going to go with the New York date of September 29th. You had after that on October 1st, you had Blood Alley starring John Wayne, The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing starring Joan Collins. I know nobody probably knows these movies. The October 3rd, you had The Trouble with Harry starring John Forsyth and Shirley MacLaine. And on the 5th of October, you had The Desperate Hours starring Humphrey Bogart. So you got some big names here. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go towards the Los Angeles date of August 26th, you had on the 25th, you were you're never too young, starring Dee Martin and Jerry Lewis. And obviously they were a big time back together. And then you have August 5th, To Catch a Thief, starring Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, which is a big and which is a fantastic film. Absolutely. Uh, so but again you can't judge these movies back then as far as, Oh my God, that's the competition. It's You'd just need somebody not who like was
0: bad. We'd need to get somebody in who was from that time and be or, like, Oh yeah.
1: Right. Right. You would have yeah. Which would be cool if we could do that one day, if we do one of these older films, get somebody sure. who's actually, uh, I'd like, yeah. I'd like to just talk about, I'd like to talk to somebody about what going to the cinema was like 40, 50, 60 years ago, well, yeah. 40 years ago to the eighties, uh, 70 years ago, <laughs> just to, just like, what was it like? It was probably was an event. Obviously it was an event. Yeah. So I told you it was directed by Charles Alton. I already gave you his credits. This is the only movie. This is the last movie he directed based upon the critics of uh, how people responded to it. Yes. He, he just kind of got soured from that, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of nice stuff in this movie. Written by James Agee. I think I said that right. Agee. A-G- yeah, I, I don't A-G- Agee. That's how you spell his last name. James Agee wrote The African Queen starring Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn and All the Way Home. This is based on a novel by Davis Grubb. Uh, He's written a bunch of other books. He's also written for the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, the TV show, and he wrote Fool's Parade. Music by Walter Schumann. Uh, he the the Dragnet movie, or the Dragnet show, excuse me. Or not so the movie. Movie first show. Whatever. He did Dragnet. And he, in, his biggest credit is he did the most of the music for the Steve Canyon TV series that was back then. So Cinematography by Stanley Cortez, who, has, who did uh, The Magnificent Ambersons, Orson Welles film. Omen 2, Damien. And South Pacific uh, producers, I said, Paul Gregory, he's produced four star Jubilee, which is a TV show and the movie, The Naked and the Dead. And I actually have I decided to drop some editor stuff in here, edited by Robert Golden, and he did edited Bandito and the whip hand. I don't know. I just felt like I needed to put the editor in there now. I even want to do the crew. I don't know why.
0: I was thinking that actually when I was watching this. Too, yeah. Like we never show. We editor. never
1: show the editor, yeah. and I, we should never talk about it. we should start, and we have started.
0: Is it because the is? Let me ask you this: Is it because the credits are at the beginning of the movie? You think more about the crew that put it together? No, I just
1: always notice it when I where I look it up. I always okay. see the editor, the editor. I never do it, and then I'm just like, I really should put the editor. Because the reason
0: I thought because I saw it at the beginning instead of like at the end credits, and I was like, oh yeah, we never get the editor. We don't. Which, no, and it's always at the I'm end rectifying credits. that. I just did. Good nice. job. Now I go right. back and re-edit all. Oh the
1: man. Starring Robert Mitchum as Harry Powell, the uh, hater of women, as Mike called him. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Robert Mitchum is, he's been in Out of the Past, The Longest Day. He was in the uh, he was in the movie Cape Fear, but the reason why he's in Cape Fear is that this movie inspired Scorsese a lot for Cape Fear. Not just this movie, but other movies. But Scorsese really likes this movie. I think that's why Mitchum is in Cape Fear. I can see that. And he and he's also in Scrooge for anyone else. He yes. fires uh, Bill Murray and Scrooge. You know, he's the guy that he's kicks the cats. He's the guy that's watching the thing at the end. Yep. 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 Um, Shelley Winters as Willa Harper. Shelley Winters is from the Poseidon Adventure. She won the Oscar for Diary of Anne Frank and the Patch of Blue. Lillian Gish as Rachel Cooper as Miss or Miss Cooper. As she's known here. She is. Uh, she was in Birth of a Nation. Uh, the Whales of August and Duel in the Sun. James Gleason as Uncle Birdie. Our, he's from Arsenic and Old Lace. And here comes Mr. Jordan. Evelyn Varden as Icy Spoon. I didn't know her name was Icy. She's the old lady who keeps telling uh, Willa to get a man. She's in the Bad Seed, Pinky, in 10,000 Bedrooms. Don Bedeau is Walt Spoon, her, her husband, from the best years of our lives in the Narrow Margin. I didn't realize that Peter Graves was Ben Harper until I read it, that it was Ben Harper. You didn't really... I did not could, put that together. See it on his face? The only thing I put together was that, wow, he's a good-looking convict. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect hair. Peter Graves is... If, you've, if you, I'm hoping you know who Peter Graves is. He's from Airplane, Style X-17, like and the Mission Impossible TV series. Billy Chaplin as John Harper. These are the children. He's from, they didn't really do much after this movie, but he is from Tabor the Great and Violent Saturday. And Sally Jane Bruce, who plays Pearl Harper, who Butler does not like, uh, is, she is she? She's okay. A, she okay. became a grade school teacher. So clearly she wasn't really into the arts uh, as, you, as you were. Um, I know for most of our younger audience, you probably have no idea who these people are. You should know who Robert Mitchum is. Shelley Winters, uh, Lillian Gish, maybe you would know. Peter Graves, definitely you should know. And you should know Charles Lawton, who directed this, because he's a, he's a pretty famous actor as well. Yes.
0: All right, so where to start? I had not well, seen this. This is a, right. This is a, the second movie, guys. That uh, Mike Field has never seen. <laughs> he has never even seen Bits and Pieces, which uh, which he did of the last film that we did. He'd never seen. True. So um, uh, now I will ask this question, Mike. <laughs> what you think of the movie? Okay, I enjoyed it, but uh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's
1: I understand its significance in the time period of of in terms of film lore kind of thing okay I understand that and there are things I really like in it there are things that they're doing in the movie that they don't do I got a very uh, I mean I should get a very Citizen Kane vibe but because Cortez uh, did the Magnificent Ambersons with Orson Orson. well right there's a lot of use of light and shadow in this movie a lot of silhouette shots that I really appreciate there's a lot of filmmaking stuff in this movie that I enjoyed right but it's a movie of the time and it's not something that i can if i watched it again i i guess uh there's some stuff that i just kind of like all right like the stuff with spoons icy spoons always telling her you need a man and not house she plays that busybody woman and that was just kind of like all right all right and the stuff when the children are on the river mm-hmm. floating down i thought that kind of it felt like two movies if i it felt like like, I enjoyed this stuff. It felt really quick. Like, he gets there. He he ingratiates himself. Well, the original with, script was,
0: what, 293 90, pages? Yeah, the
1: 293 page first draft. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. I don't know. I'm, I, I do like it. I just, I don't know if I'm willing to get on a, a perch for it and be like, this movie is fantastic. You all need to watch this. I think if people don't see this, I can understand. If people love film, they should watch it cause, just because of what they do in the movie. But I don't know if I can sit here and tell you that. Oh, my God, this is fantastic. It's it's a movie from 1955. Oh, I get that. And I'm, not, and I'm 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 trying to say that I'm not holding
0: my opinion of it should not be. It should be understood that I understand that this is a movie from the 50s. Anybody who likes film should like should watch these older films because they Agreed. inspire all the stuff that comes afterwards. I, I get that. But that doesn't mean that they're, you know, well, I understand, every like single can, film back yeah. then is fantastic. I mean, this one is, but that's fine. Okay. I mean, you can look back and you go, can, go like, okay, this lady like doesn't like. Her lines are dumb about, you know, you need a man. That's just that's just the time. I get that. But it's the stuff, the use of the lighting, the use of the sets. Sure, um, I do like the water sets. I always like water sets. The water sets are impressive. Yeah. I guess Mitchum wanted them to film all on location in the Appalachian Mountains and uh, or locations where it was supposed to take place. And, you know, Lawton was like, no, no, I want to make it kind of more surreal. I want to use sets. Mm-hmm. And the sets are pretty cool. I mean, they're clearly sets. but. Yeah. There's a lot of conflicting reports in terms of
1: what happened on set, in terms yes. of Mitchum's behavior and Lawton's behavior. Whereas Mitchum has stuff in his memoir about like certain things, and then that's disproved. And then, but then there's stuff about Lawton and how he's yelling at the actors and actresses. But that's disproved. So I don't know what to believe.
0: Well, it seems like from what I can see, uh, Lawton wasn't a big like he was great with the actors, but he was not great with the children, especially Pearl. I heard that because heard it that. was tough to direct her. And he just, as a first time director, he was not very, it was the first film, not for he did a lot of stage stuff, but he wasn't big on that. So Mitchum, what I, from what I read and what's kind of seems to be, everybody agrees on is Mitchum kind of directed the children. That's what I read Because too. he was a little bit better with them.
1: But I heard that was, that was proven false. Like a lot of the stuff in his memoirs is, is proven to be false. Like people said like, no, that's not what
0: happened. See, I. See, I don't know that he was great with the actors, mm-hmm. um, just not the children, just not the children. Like Lillian Gish said that there was never a better director because he was so new at film. He would really listen to any input somebody had. Mm-hmm. And he was really willing to try anything. Well, just when it came to the kids, he was, you know, kind of a blowhard. And just kind of. <laughs>
1: well, kids I are, can't do this. Kids are tough.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. I can see Pearl being tough. Pearl's really young, though. So it's kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you can't really have her do a lot. You can't expect her to do a lot uh, in terms of emoting. You just have to kind of keep it simple for her. Yeah. Even, I mean, even getting a lot out of uh, John, the kid who played John, because he has a lot of stuff in this movie and he's supposed to be like, oh, like
0: kind of growing up too soon type of thing. Right. So and you got some good stuff from him. I think he's fantastic in this. I was surprised I mean, when I read that he stopped in 1959.
1: Some people don't like it. Him and his brother, both. Who's His brother's the kid that is hitting on Ruby. Ruby at the yeah. end, yeah. Here she is. <laughs> oh, creepo. <laughs> Must be Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't. I don't want you to think that I don't like this movie because I, I enjoy it. it. I just—it's
0: yeah. the first time I've seen it, and I can't. I haven't. You know what I mean? I understand. It's tough to watch older movies. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess this is not gonna be one of our more popular episodes. Why forgotten cinema? Just because I feel like a lot of people aren't gonna want to go back if they haven't seen it already. This is gonna be a tough sell for people to go back and watch it. I, I It's tough that. to get film people to even watch stuff that's this, that's this old. Film people.
1: This movie inspired the likes of, as I said before, Martin Scorsese, but also Robert Altman and Rainier Werner Fassbender, who's a German uh, a filmmaker, because this movie has a lot of stuff in it that's expressionist. I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So, I mean, it, it's really all in the use of the lighting that they do. Uh, which Stanley Cortez has said that light is so important. There are only two directors he's ever worked with that truly understood light. And that was Orson Welles and Charles Lawton. And that's unfortunate because the Magnificent Ambersons that's out now
1: is not really the Magnific- Magnificent Ambersons that Wells put together. That cut is lost. Mm-hmm. They, they've done the best that they could, but there's a version of Magnificent Ambersons that, that was just Wells that he put together, and it's supposed to be great. But you're never going to see it because they lost half the footage. Because, you know, Wells always fought with
0: studios. Yeah. Which well, is unfortunate. After, yeah. After Citizen Kane, they stopped giving him control of stuff.
1: Which is, yeah, which is c- arguably considered the greatest movie of all time. Right.
0: I know you don't like it, right? No, I love oh, Citizen do you Kane. Like, I no, I, like I love it. Citizen Kane. Some, somebody I know doesn't like oh, it. Oh, then they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean the, the use of lighting to create, like, for instance, one of my favorite scenes, um, which has stuck with me, I, I originally saw this in film class and this is probably my third or fourth time watching this film. One of the things that always struck me the most is the bedroom, uh, Willis bedroom. It's lit. It's just a normal bedroom set. And then toward the end when, you know, Harry is pretty much, I'm going to kill her and she's all preaching. She's all praying. Mm -hmm. She's been converted into his weird way of thinking. Yeah. That was, Uh,
1: that was fast too. But yeah. Yeah. I'm 50s. sure there's a hundred pages of script where it's know, a little bit more.
0: Uh, apparently there is a scene where they did, um, they did on the tonight show when they were promoting the movie where they did a live. Um, See, a live and, play and I read that, that he didn't like her. I read that Mitchum didn't like her. He Winters. didn't like her. Yeah. Like he really, he read in his book that he was like, the only thing she'd be good for is floating in that river with the slit in her throat. Which
1: we'll get to that.
0: See that up, that, that Shop. image. Yeah.
1: Uh, but But again, I also read that he was drunk and on drugs half the time during this movie. Oh, Mitchum, yeah, he's famous for that.
0: So again, what do you believe? I believe that he hated her. I don't believe that she deserved the hate that she got.
1: Well, she has she has a quote that I wrote down that she says that this was the most. This is her talking about her own performance. That this is quote the most thoughtful and reserved performance I've ever gave. It's like that's modest. I mean, I mean, you can't. I mean, I get that, but like, do you really need to say that? I mean, the Mitchum also loves. This is his favorite role. It is. But again, he put that in his memoir. If that's proven
0: false, can we really believe that? I believe that he can say it's <laughs> his favorite. I know it's Lawton's favorite. Uh, but I guess they both did the live show, which apparently was terrible mm-hmm. because uh, he was so nervous he got drunk, and she was just nervous and had stage fright. Mm-hmm. So they reenacted this live version of the scene, and it was terrible. But mm-hmm. apparently, it's a deleted scene where they're going out to dinner uh, in that in that bustling town that she lives in. Yeah, in the uh, Great <laughs> well, it's the Great Depression. Man, I always wanted to go. I always <laughs> wanted
1: him to go into the. Cinéplex. I was like, oh, I want to see what that looks like because it's so small. <laughs> Four seats. It's probably just benches, like two or three benches. Oh, and then probably just like a, yeah. a drape.
0: It's probably just converted from the old wild, like the old wild west kind of. Ones. Right, right. But um, going back to the the bedroom, so she's converted, and all of a sudden, the the lighting is such that the entire bedroom becomes a steeple, and you almost see it like it's a stage set, and it's lit with these high arches and these really harsh shadows. As she's on one side in the bed and Harry's on the other side, almost praying to the light in the window. And then when he decides he's going to kill her, he brings down the light and goes to murder her. It's very expressionist. It's very, I guess the whole movie is described as Brechtian, which it definitely is. Mm -hmm. And he goes to kill her and it's just really, it's exactly what you'd see in a stage play, which is why a lot of people compare this and Lawton wanted to do it as like a kind of messed up grown up fairy tale, Mm -hmm. which in, in a lot of ways it kind of is. That's a lot of blood to clean up too. And like and nobody knowing what you're doing. He probably locked the and the kids aren't there and everybody's believed him. No one's really questioning this dude. I know. I'm a little I, suspicious. We'll, <laughs> go well, there's also uh speaking about lights and
1: shadow, there's a couple of shots that, you know, him on the ridge, uh when he's looking when he comes over the ridge, they don't stay with it, but when he comes over the ridge, he's silhouetted looking for the kids when they're escaping into the into the boat. Oh, and yep. And then he kind of starts cutting his way through the uh wooded area to get to them. When John's in the barn and when they, they stopped to sleep in the barn oh, and then the they see him it. walking across and, and that's his, he's in shadow, but then also John's in shadow looking at him. That was nice. Even going up to the barn in the house when the woman's singing, that's all lit nice. That's all yep. I got a like a very like warhorse vibe from Spielberg, um, which I'm you know I know he got that from Gone with the Wind, but that's the style like that, yeah. that kind of look. Did you
0: notice the the barn set is done like almost false perspective, like it's pretty much flat. Yes, and it's done to make give it like almost Tim Burton esque mm-hmm. edges.
1: Well, he shot a lot in false perspective yes. in this, yeah. Uh, and I then love that scene when he's
0: coming across the the barn, he's looking at it goes, does this guy ever sleep? <laughs>
1: <know>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of false perspective, the the part when he's riding on the horse and I think it's one of the wide shots. I think when they're doing, when they're in the distance, like it's actually not him. It's a little person on top of a pony.
0: Yeah. I did read that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I read that too. So there's a lot of little tricks they did to make it kind of seem a little bit bigger than it was or grandiose in terms of, you know, like we said, false perspective, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I I will say this in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. when the, when the kids are floating heads, that those kids are weird. That, that's weird it's, looking. It's a
0: weird choice. It's actually... And it's supposed... A a, AG yeah. wanted to use that. He actually wanted that in the end. Mm-hmm. And they put it to the beginning. It gives it more of a storybook feel, I guess. It kind of reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah.
1: Which kind of gives you the wrong idea. Yeah. But I get why you do that. Maybe if you want to trick people into thinking that it's, like you said, like a messed up story to uh,
0: a uh, tale. It starts off all nice. Maybe they're sweet. trying to yeah trick you a little. Which is nice because then you get immediately go into that shot of the the legs on the basement of the woman, the first murdered uh, woman. Right. Right. Which I both like and don't like the like helicopter pan over shot. It's of shaky the town as heck. Because it's so shaky. But yeah. it's like at the same time, I don't remember ever seeing that in a film this old.
1: The helicopter shot? And kind of like a, helicopter. That's be like probably one what one of the first ones. Yeah. So Maybe
0: it's like at this one time, I'm like, I don't know if I would have put that in there, but they probably spent a lot of money to do that.
1: The helicopter shot, yeah, oh no doubt. Um, but yeah, it was very, very shaky. So when they cut to Ben Harper getting
0: arrested because mm-hmm. he
1: robbed the bank or something, right? He robbed the bank,
0: I assume he robs yeah. the bank. Where is he gonna get ten thousand dollars, right? Which is equal to about 192.5 thousand dollars in today's money. Well, I always like to do that. That's fine, like that. a lot of money, yep. He goes to prison. That's where he meets Harry Harry Powell. Yep. And then he puts a sock in his mouth. What is that? It's because he doesn't want it because he was talking in his sleep. Gotcha. So he doesn't want to continue to talk in his sleep. Gotcha. Okay. Which is another shot I love, which I guess was Mitchum's idea when the shot is him hanging upside down on the bed and Mm -hmm. gets punched in the face. Yeah. That was originally not written like that. They were just talking. And he he liked the idea of being upside down on the bunk, (laughs) talking to them all like stupid and friendly like. Yeah. And then Ben just not. Just knowing the kind of man that Harry really is, right, right. So I, I always really like that. I actually started laughing every time I see it. I laugh when he and, and ben, him in the face. Ben got hung for stealing money. Well, he got hung for killing two men. Is that what it was? Okay, he killed two men and stole ten thousand dollars.
1: My bad. I should pay attention. More. I think
0: basically the way it's kind of they don't really say it, but they kind of say it offhand is if he told them where the money was, he probably would have gotten a reduced sentence.
1: Right. But he never told. Well, they never they never benefited from the money, or did
0: they? The kids, I think they do. Look at that Christmas time they had with all the all the presents they were walking around with, all the nice new winter true. clothes they were
1: wearing. But you don't true. But at the end of the movie, when John kind of has a flashback to seeing his own father arrested in front of him because right. he sees
0: Powell arrested in front of him,
1: and he just grabs the because the, the money's hidden in the doll, mm-hmm. grabs the doll, it, take it, taking the money's flying everywhere. You don't think the cops are like, uh, "What's going on here?" I think at that point it's yeah. like, which I I do like the line at the end when. Miss Cooper turns turns basically as, as an aside talks about how they you know children they abide they will endure that kind mm-hmm. of line Lord save little children you would think the world would be ashamed to name such a day as Christmas for one of them and then go on in the same old way my soul is humble when I see the way little ones accept their lot Lord save little children the wind blows and the rains are cold Yes, but it's like John's gonna have some serious issues going forward because because John's got a lot to get over because John still even Pearl there's still some kind of affinity to Powell being their father in some way because when they when he first comes back to the coop when he goes to the Cooper house mm-hmm. Pearl goes right to him
0: oh, to Pearl, hug him Pearl doesn't know yeah
1: I get that. But you think you, she wouldn't know because he he yelled at her. He threatened to rip her arm off.
0: Well, I think that goes along with which now that you say that I I hated Ruby's character. Mm-hmm. I hated how drawn she was to uh, Harry, even after she knew that Harry killed uh, Willa mm-hmm. and was trying to kill the kids and was trying to kill all of them in the house and yet was still like into him. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense if she's supposed to be maybe what Pearl's going to be. Later on,
1: you mean uh, what? She Pearl is going to turn into Ruby?
0: That that yeah. Without Look, some always serious looking for affection. help or something. She's always going to turn to the wrong person. Well, for this affection. is the this is the thirties, right? Uh, yeah, like, I, I 20, imagine it's no, like nineteen. 19- for some reason, nineteen thirty-four is in my head, so I might have learned well, that. Well, this in school, is based but. on a real-life dude. The book yeah, was Harry is a real-life. Yeah, yeah he was
1: somebody who went around and killed He killed like a, a couple women and their children. I
0: think four women, two uh, kids. Yeah, or something like and that. he was
1: he was executed. But this was based on this guy's life a little bit, or that character of Harry Powell was based on that. Right. They're these back to this is the thirties. They're not. They're not getting
0: help. They're just gonna. Well, I meant like affection and like mm-hmm. motherhood from like advice and, and help from, from Rachel which she never really gave up on the kids which is nice she never really like she said like you're gonna hit me and she's like when have I ever like she's well Miss Cooper she's she picks Cooper, up the strays yeah, that
1: she's, she's a good person well you have that one scene when they're in downtown and the mother comes over and she says I'll see you Sunday and, and she tells her I'm gonna bring you something That does, she doesn't need that you just be there on Sunday yeah it's like these women can't take care of the children so Miss Cooper just takes care of them for the for the children's sake yes right so it's like kind of like her own orphanage but you know it's just what you, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Which is, it's the depression. So that's what happened. You know, people could yeah,
0: It's like when yeah. they go to the side and the, the kids are asking the one lady for potatoes, mm-hmm. you know, you help out when you can. Cause yeah. some of these kids don't have anything. Yeah. It's hard living, hard living back then. I can't imagine living in the great depression. Uh, me neither. And I don't want to. So
1: yeah, I g- agreed. Yep. <laughs> um, I, d- I did like the, I did like the line when, uh, Cooper's looking at the, the bunny. The bunny gets obviously eaten by the owl, which that bunny's big. I don't know if that owl is really grabbing that bunny. Uh, but first of
0: all, that owl has a wire around its neck. That owl is clearly <laughs> oh, dragged true. off the branch. Yeah, I know. It's a hard world for
1: little things. <laughs> I, I like that line. That, that is a good line. It is a good line.
0: I also like right after that when she's singing or when the preacher's in, when Harry's singing and then she starts filling in singing the other with, verse. Yeah. So it's like they're both about to kill each, like about getting ready for this fight, but they're both singing their song. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And mm-hmm. I like that he's in light and she's in shadow. Mm-hmm. Um and the key Light is behind her, which I thought was really nice. I
1: just kept uh, towards the end because at the end of the movie, for those who haven't seen the movie, is, is Powell tracks the kids down to this house. And he just, he's like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get these kids. I'm going to come back at night and get them. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't, he's like, it's like the balls on this guy. He just doesn't care. And she just sits out on the front porch with a shotgun. I just kept saying, just shoot him. Just shoot him. All you Just shoot him in the front lawn. Who cares? But, yeah, yeah, but she's a good person. So there's yeah, no way to do That's
0: yeah. what I, I was thinking the same thing. He just get over that fence. Then she's got a right to shoot you on her property. Yeah. But he was on her property. Yeah. He was over the fence. And I was like... Well, that's all her property because the barn is hers. That's true too, yeah. So as soon as he away. walks down that road, that's hers. <laughs> I do like that she doesn't fall for his shtick like everybody else did. Right. And she's probably one of the first people to do it. Yeah. And John's smiling because he can see that she doesn't believe him. <laughs> is that your dad? Why, you, why are you uh, behaving for your dad? he ain't my dad and he ain't no preacher either she runs to get the shotgun she's poking him in the back with it i'm like yeah get him
1: what's wrong john come to me boy what's wrong john didn't you hear me boy john when your dad says come you should mind him
0: he ain't my dad
1: (laughs) no and he ain't no
0: preacher neither
1: when uh he when he gets shot and he's shot in the arm I guess oh I know what you're gonna what up. is he wearing when he comes out of he's the barn wearing a
0: fake arm why and so stupid I have no idea I don't get it because you can clearly see the blood on the on the side of his arm and which is all you need right but he's wearing a fake arm that's dangling around like Frankenstein I don't understand I don't understand that I don't understand either I, that was the first time I've noticed it when watching the movie I was like, what I also didn't get his scream which is I both like, hilarious like, and terrifying at the same time when he gets shot. It's almost a like canned screen that, that they did, uh, you know, in the, in the booth somewhere. I'm after. inserting the scream in here right now. I'm giving you to the count of three to get out of here.
1: Then I'm coming across the kitchen shooting. Yeah, so you all heard it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were doing that. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Um uh so let's talk about let's talk about the underwater scene. Okay. So that's actually not shot by Cortez. I know, yeah. And I was not. like, come on, man. So that was shot by Hilliard Brown, the art director, and what he when he kills Willa, the kid's mother, uh, that night he kills her and then you hear the kids are in bed and they hear like the the car, you hear the car running and, and what Powell does is basically push the car into the water and it sinks. And it's like, it does a terrible job hiding it, number one, because you <laughs> could see it. Um, They have a shot of somebody's fishing and you, and it, it hooks onto the car and you just see the car and you see, it's not Shelley Winters. It's a model of Shelley Winters, a doll. And she's, she's tied up. She's strapped down to the passenger seat of the car. And, um, I think you see the gash in her throat. You do see, yeah. And she's just floating. She's just there, dying. And and Uncle Bertie's the one that finds her, who's their lovable drunk uncle. And uh, he's just he for some reason thinks that he's going to be blamed for it, which makes no sense. This yeah. is the
0: town drunk and a recluse, uh, and Harry's loved, I guess. And he gets
1: he goes gets drunk, and he and that's because the kids go to him, help us, help us, and he's passed out, so they just leave him.
0: Well, the whole point is that the kids have no one to turn to. That correct? That adults are are almost the detriment of children. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah, the adults are... Uh, the adults are the villain in this story, other than Rachel, who's finally the one adult they can trust. Miss Cooper Butler. Miss Cooper.
1: <laughs> have some respect for, for Miss Cooper. For some
0: reason, where, where I was looking, the only credit she had on her name was Rachel. It didn't say Rachel Cooper, so... Well, they kept saying Miss Cooper. Ms. I know, Cooper. but I forgot. I thought they were saying Miss Hooper, and I was like, oh, like hang on Miss Hooper? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would have been better? Well, the underwater shot's really nice, though. It but is. No, it's great. It could have been so, like, back then, underwater filming probably wasn't that easy. Oh, no. So... I wonder if that's the special effects photography that they list in the beginning credits. It's I, that, I didn't it's look at the name. Definitely
1: the underwater because it's shot at a studio pool.
0: Oh yeah, they say how they shot it. One mm-hmm. guy had the the camera was on a wire. The guy held it down, so the camera being held down by the cameraman and up by the wire to keep it from floating and bobbing mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. While the other guy was in a scuba suit, right? Scuba suit.
1: No, oh, it's a great shot, and it's it's haunting. It's very haunting.
0: Yes. This is also the second film ever to use an iris shot, the iris closed shot when they're um, Harry's going back in looking for the kids, and they close in the iris on John and uh, Pearl. Well, that in the that's part and parcel with
1: that. Lawton wanted to bring the idea or the the the, the feeling of silent movies to mm-hmm. talkies, as he calls it, because these, these were talkies now. Yeah, and so he but he still wanted to use the elements of silent films because in silent films you need your Visual is much more important, obviously, than what people are saying because you can't hear them. But you need to express what people are saying visually or what what the situation is or the tension or the the comedy or whatever the drama. Right. You need to show it visually. So they wanted to how to use that to
0: kind of connect the the two uh, film styles. And I think they do it successfully because I think you can watch this movie with the sound off and you get a pretty good idea of what's going on no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think that also talks how, like why John obviously. He's stunted. He's gone through a lot, which is also probably why he's quiet all the time. But because he's quiet all the time, you don't need him to talk. Mm -hmm. Almost like a silent film star. You get a lot of emotion from this kid in his expressions, both his eyes and his face.
1: Which makes sense with what they were trying to do. Now, did you know that (laughs) Spike Lee uses the speech from
0: Powell almost verbatim and do the right thing? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I thought that was great.
0: I didn't know. I saw do the right thing first before I saw Night of the Hunter. Uh, Okay. So when I was like, when I saw Night of Hunter, I was like, oh, crap. And I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now watch, and I'll show you the story of life.
1: These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging one again the other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand. Left hand hates a-fighting, and it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute.
0: Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a-winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won. An old left-hand hate is down for the count.
1: Yeah, it's like I said, it's a, this movie inspired a lot of filmmakers
0: and I'm sure obviously he probably watched it in film school just I'm like sure you did. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. What I think is interesting is all these film tricks and all these techniques that Lawton created on his first film are so influential to all these films going forward. But when it was reviewed, people called it experimental. Mm-hmm. They called it um, too new age, too new, too weird, too obscure. And all these things are being used in every film now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this made, was the start right. of it, and you guys hated it then, and now it's lauded as, you know, a lot of people have them as their top 10 list. There's a famous French cinema magazine, I guess, that put it number two behind Citizen Kane. Sure. Uh, it's on, like, AFI's top 100. I, I get that. I I, I mean, like I said, I understand its importance, and quite honestly, this is just tell you,
1: don't listen to critics. Right. Critics are great. They're fine. They're uh, if you But, like, they're not the end-all, be-all of what's, you know, what is great cinema. It's really frustrating when I have to read certain critics and they're just ripping movies for and it's just like you clearly don't understand what, what they're trying to do here and it, yeah. it didn't speak to you but like don't shade it for
0: everybody else yeah I, I think when something doesn't work it doesn't work but if it just doesn't work for you you can't use that as a, as a knocking right. point
1: you i mean you you should be able to watch a, a film or or cinema even modern day cinema or or even movies from back then that you may not like it or you may not be like into it like that's eh, okay but you can still respect that there's this is, that's a nice shot. This, there's a lot going into this. Right. Like you could still respect that stuff. And like, like I tell you all the time, like I don't just, every great, every bad movie still has really good stuff in it.
0: Absolutely. And like, for instance, like a good example is I, and I've said it before on this podcast, I really don't like American beauty. Right. At all. But I absolutely understand why other people love American beauty. Uh, I, I like, can appreciate. I like American beauty. That it's superbly directed and well acted. It's just not a movie for me, mm-hmm. but I would never say that it's a bad movie. When is the last time you watched American Beauty? Uh, Eleven years ago. Are you really gonna
1: keep all that uh in there during the. No, I'll cut it out. Eleven okay. years ago. So you were. I was in. I was in college.
0: See, you should. I watched it again. You really should. I was made to watch it. You really should watch it again
1: because your your perspective in life has changed. You want me to watch it a third time? Yes, all I right. want. It's a really good movie. It's right. really really. <laughs> The most tragic character in that movie is Chris Cooper's character, the the father. Yes. Uh, of what uh,
0: you sh- don't give me that you look. You, you should really, set really a watch a this movie. Again. Listen, I'll, I'll, it's really good. Listen, I, I'll only watch it if we put it on Forgotten Cinema because it's the only time I watch movies. <laughs> it's not. For, I wish it was it's not. It's not forgotten. I can't. I know. I can't do that. That could probably go on Fight Club. It, but see, I don't like it. But I still would agree with everything you would say about it. Uh, okay. it's just not a movie for me. It's, That's unfortunate. It's tough. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. I respect, we can put
1: it on a I respect your opinion as somebody who appreciates film. I'm not going to try to change it. I get that. I, I I'll, just, I'll uh, give it another chance it's eventually. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. This episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else you got?
0: Uh, well, did you know, it's a little fun fact, but did you Ooh. know that uh, Robert Mitchum was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I did know just that. A few minutes away from where we're recording right now.
1: Right, that's right. We are recording in Monroe. That's right, Connecticut. Uh, no, I, I I did know that actually. He wasn't.
0: He wasn't raised completely in Connecticut. He moved around like Jersey or New York or something he like moved that. Around, but he yeah. wasn't in Yeah. His father died there. at a young age, and yeah. they moved. But. Uh, and then Gary Cooper actually turned down the role of Harry Powell, because he thought it would be bad for his career. Do you which, th- do you think he would have been a better choice? I think uh, I think Robert Mitchum. This is his best performance. I think Robert Mitchum does a fantastic job. I don't think Gary Cooper, because he's already nervous about maybe affecting his career, I think he would play him a different way. I don't think he'd have been as brave with being such a awful diabolical shit, mm-hmm. as it were. And I think Robert Mitchum has the attitude, which is why a lot of people like him is that he doesn't care. He was a big time star that did not care about being a big time star. He would do any movie that he thought was interesting. And he liked, yeah. And he he definitely liked this role and played it very well. Do you think that that mentality, that
1: idea of an actor doing a role back then how it affects affects how people think? I think that's real back then because it Oh, know, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Do you
0: think that's the same now? No, not really. as not as much. Okay. I think you can just do brave choices and people realize now that you're just making brave choices or you're trying to branch out. I mean, I think let's say Tom Cruise was from the 30s he wouldn't do Vincent from collateral because it would affect his career. All of a sudden he'd go from this hero care to playing this villain and no one would be like, nah, ugh, no. Mm-hmm. Whereas now people are like, Oh, that's cool. He's trying something new. I think that very much would shade somebody's career. But because Robert Mitchum was already kind of like the bad boy. Mm-hmm. And even though he always played heroes, I think the fact that, you know, he was arrested in the forties for <gasps> smoking weed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, already gave him such a bad boy attitude anyway. And like I said, he already picked movies that just, he did for whatever reason that I think he was the best choice for this role. Also think putting someone like Gary Cooper in the role would really distract you from uh, the film. Cause Gary Cooper is such a big actor mm-hmm. that at that point you're just like, Gary Cooper's killing kids, which again, maybe now I'm affecting how <laughs> his career. It might be, it might a
1: not that he's, I'm saying he's better looking than Mitchum, but he's a good looking guy that might also help with the character of Harry Powell. He's just a, a good looking man who, you know, can sweet talk women into getting married with them and then he tries to steal their money and kills Did them. Did you
0: see that dimple on here uh, on Mitchum Shin? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you see his hat? <laughs> That's one sexy hat.
1: That's true. <laughs> I couldn't get a look, I can't keep stop looking from it.
0: Um that guy keeps making holes in his jacket every time he puts the switchblade out when to stab a girl.
1: He, yeah, because he gets angry. Yeah. He gets mad. At the end of the movie, when there's just a great uproar in the de- in oh. the town area. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I didn't I didn't Again, I just didn't get it. And they were yelling Bluebeard because that's like a uh, Bluebeard is a French folktale about a man who marries women and then kills them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why they're yelling Bluebeard for those who don't know. But the spoons are there leading the charge and they're like drunk. I think they're drunk. And then like they, they're they Miss Cooper's with the kids and they're all eating and they busted There they are like like they're mad at them or something they run out and next thing you know they're pulling chairs and breaking the glass of that ruin I don't know what the heck is going on
0: it's a mob obviously but I don't understand why they're just mob mentality I think maybe in the 30s they just need something to rebel against they have such crappy lives Yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I felt bad for like that diner I was like damn they just wanted to get lunch and because they let them eat lunch yeah. their restaurant was and destroyed. then Ruby is still pining over Powell I thought that was a little at that point I was like Ruby you gotta get the hell out of you here you got problems girl <laughs> Girl, I know you think he's bad, but I don't think he's Uh, bad. He's he's bad. I'll buy you a freaking ice cream. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And then they
1: wrap around the executioner who... Remember, he, he executes the guy, oh, he goes yeah, home, yeah, yep. washes his hands, sees his kids, and then you never see him again. And then all of a sudden he pops up at the end, like, got another one for you, Bill, or whatever is well, I'd be glad it. to do this one. Yeah. Why? Like I said, maybe, maybe the script, like you talked about how it was 293 pages, maybe there was some stuff in there that we're
0: missing out on. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of got the fact that he doesn't like doing what he does, but because, you know, Ben wasn't like mm-hmm. the worst guy and he had kids and a family, but, you know, clearly Harry is the worst guy so
1: i mean so talking it
0: out with you here i think i kind of get a
1: sense of why maybe i didn't fall in love with this movie as much as everyone like as much as you love the movie mm-hmm. i think visually i think it it's got a lot of awesome stuff in there i think some of the, the performances are really good i i probably have just it feels like a chopped up script sometimes i think maybe that's probably why i couldn't really get into it a little bit yeah it could be that's a all. little
0: longer yeah that
1: that's all i think that's probably why i'm not, i'm not really like reacting to it in a sense as everyone I, else Yeah, I,
0: I get your, it's three, it's definitely three movies in one. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, um, you focus a lot on his, their, their hometown. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the riverboat stuff, which isn't probably as long as it is in the novel, because I feel like in the novel, if you really want to go for that fairy tale feel got you got to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really go with those animal scenes, the lullaby, mm-hmm. the song that Pearl sings, you get the, the, they go by the turtle and he goes, you know, I you know, hear they sense. make good soup, but yeah. I wouldn't know where to I wouldn't know how to crack one open. And it's just like, oh, all right, <laughs> let's go get a potato instead.
1: Yeah, eat it whole. <laughs> all right. So why do you think that this is a forgotten
0: cinema uh, flick? I mean, I, I, I'm I'm sure we can. It's easy to figure, <laughs> figure that out, but it's it's old. I've got to ask that question. Uh, it's old. It's also I mean, I learned about it in film class and then I've watched it since. But I think because it wasn't lauded back in its day. And it's get it got the recognition as it went on later on in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Now it's a now it's a classic. I mean, it took until 1992 for the United States Library of Congress to deem *Knight of the Hunter* to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and put it in the uh, brought it up for film preservation in the National Film Registry. Which it is. Which it is absolutely. But it took that long to do it, and it's like people people that loved film were already borrowing from it and taking from it and learning from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the mass audience, you know, mm-hmm. you hear Citizen Kane all the time. You hear Casablanca all the time, which are fantastic films. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear, you know, Night of the Hunter spoken that often, even though in a lot of modern film credits and filmmaker talk. And even back then, the filmmakers at least all agreed it was incredibly influential and incredibly brave and cinematic and um, just great. Is it not hip to you think it's not
1: hip for people to say, oh, Night of the Hunter's is an influence for like young filmmakers? Do you think they're showing this movie in NYU right now?
0: I I watched it in film class in Hofstra.
1: Yeah, but you watched it in film class in Hofstra 15 years ago, right? I'm saying now. uh, Yeah, I'm saying now. Are they showing this movie now to people? Or are they showing
0: basically. I would hope so. There's so much camera wise. That you learn from this movie that's so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Night of the Hunter is so influential that I would hope that people are still watching it. But I, I do think it's not hip to like Night of the Hunter. I believe it. I can. I can see that because a lot of the filmmakers, like you say, Quentin Tarantino, Ugh, oh, which I yeah. like Tarantino, but I hear you and, and and stuff like that, and they don't want to go further back. Like there are so many people we know that go, oh, I don't watch films. I this. know that's like, unfortunate. They just can't sit through an old black and white movie because they are a little slower. They're a little different. They're filmed. They're they're, they're slow. You can't view but movies.
1: It's tough you, to, yeah. yeah. You can't view movies back then through the lens of cinema now you can't you have to understand the time period you have to honestly you have to watch those movies and then you have to kind of read about them and kind of see what actually they how they were were received and and what people thought of them people that you maybe you like as a filmmaker in terms of like Scorsese or Tarantino absolutely you need to understand you know what that what these movies meant to people to understand their influence right.
0: and it doesn't mean you need to like them after that but just respect it absolutely and I think another part of it is you have to know how much work went into making even the simplest of scenes back then right you know a lot of times we take advantage of I just yeah let's let's, let's shoot And it's lit and you can see. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? On those old cameras and I had to film a couple of films on those old cameras. And I know you did as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guess what? If you don't have that light meter like perfect, Mm -hmm. you're not getting your shot. If if you want to get something at like dusk or twilight, you have two minutes to shoot it because after that, you can't film anymore.
1: There is a lot of I mean, that's one of the great things about digital and uh, one of the great things about a lot of the editing software that you out there like we use Adobe Premiere Pro for our uh, commercials. Yeah is that you're able to correct some mistakes you're able to like i tell you like if it's too bright don't worry i can bring it down like yep.
0: stuff like that recolorize and that's
1: stuff. great that's fantastic but you are losing the art of lighting when you don't you, you 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 can't make mistakes and you have to like i shot on 16 millimeter war cameras that have cast iron uh, cases and and you need to, like you said, you need to get that light right or it's going
0: to look like crap. Yeah. And I don't and know if I had cameras that old, but yeah, I had yeah, the 16 yeah. millimeter old Oof. metal uh, cameras. I didn't own this camera. This is when I, oh, yeah, they lend them school. out. Right. But oh, then you got to go and you kind of get your reel developed mm-hmm. from New York, mm-hmm. or at least I had to do it in New York. I'm sure in LA, yeah. there's a place in LA, but you can't watch your dailies right away. You can't go, right. oh, how does that look? Guess what? You better hope it was good or you better hope the camera guy behind the camera goes, yeah, sure. Or films enough takes, brings it to New York, mm-hmm. develops the film. Three weeks later, you're going to see what worked and what didn't mm-hmm. like. And listen, I don't want to go back to that.
1: I'm where we are now. Nope. It's good. It's just, it's definitely, it's a lot more. There's, there's definitely art in shooting it now. Absolutely. There's definitely an artistic way to do it. But back then it's, it's some high quality art going on back then.
0: Exactly. But that's why you got to appreciate like, you know, yeah, the edits might not be as fancy or slick, but mm-hmm. those edits still take a lot of time and a lot of effort. Absolutely. And sounds not attached to those film reels. So you got <laughs> to sound right afterward. <laughs>
1: that is very, very, very true.
0: All right, cool. So
1: I think we're good. Um I'm glad we did an older film. I, I, think, I, I would I works. would listen, I know that <laughs> I know that if we just did older films, we probably would lose a lot of viewers and and that's fine. I get that. But <laughs> I would not fine
0: to lose viewers, man.
1: <laughs> I, I, I would uh but I would love to just watch older films and, and talk about them and, and that would be fine with me because I don't mind watching them. I don't and I don't mind, you know, finding out about, you know, their influence and there's a lot of great stuff back then that you don't, you know, you don't think of. Like even like when you watch movies now, like Cape Fear, mm-hmm. when people watch Cape Fear and they don't, and they're like, "Oh, I love Cape Fear," but you don't like, don't you want to watch the movies that that inspired that, so you can see kind of where they got it from, yeah. and then that just gives you more respect for the filmmaker that did that and the and the movies back then and how Charles Lawton did this film that is so cherished by a lot of filmmakers, and then he stopped because nobody liked the movie. Can you imagine if this movie was? Uh, at least a little bit more of a hit or a critical darling that Lawton would have went on and done a lot of other, he was going to do the naked and the dead and he didn't do it.
0: Yeah. He could have done some amazing, right. Amazing
1: right. Yeah. And he went back to Broadway. He went back to stage went back to acting. It's like, ah, just which to is, think what you missed out on,
0: which is too bad. I, I, I don't know. I didn't look up how long he, he lived or if he's still alive. He probably isn't still no, he's alive. He passed away. Um, but I would hope he lived long enough to see the film, at least go into the national register, film registry or live long enough to know, like have filmmakers go up to him and go, hey, listen, man, night of the hunter really inspired me because that sucks to think that you made this amazing film that just was not respected. And now yeah. is, is highly respected. Well,
1: he passed away in 1962. So he has no idea. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So well, he, he you know,
0: he died thinking it was a failure. Uh, well,
1: he died. I don't think he died thinking he failed. He probably died. Or you
0: know, being not angry at people what, not respecting his film. Maybe
1: he's like, listen, I made a great film. And,
0: yeah. um, I, I, I doubt it because it was like <laughs> he left Hollywood and said, no, screw it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he died at a puzzle, man. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I, and he did amazing
0: stuff other than this. And he was great on stage. So. Oh, absolutely.
1: All right. So check it out. If you haven't night of the, the night of the hunter, it's well, how did you get it? Um, I rented it. Okay. Um,
0: I mean, it I mean, on Amazon. there's a couple on. It's not on Criterion. Not, I know you, said you thought it was on Criterion. It is on Criterion, it, but it's not, not on the streaming. streaming. That's what I mean. It's part of their spine. I guess they call it. It's number like 576. But yeah, you have to get it on their Blu-rays. It's not on the street because I almost signed up for the collection, the uh, streaming service. I was just almost like, eh, this is a good time as I need to do it. Yeah. And then it just wasn't on there. And I was like, I guess I'll see you next time. Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out.
1: So, okay. Awesome. Well, check it out if you can. Like Mike said, it's gonna, it's on. He rented it. It's um, it's everywhere. It's yeah. on
0: Xbox, PlayStation. It's on YouTube, Amazon. It's also rentable through Fandango Now and Vudu. All right, cool. So there's plenty of places good. you can get it.
1: That's good. So at least it's available. Like some of our movies from the '80s, which aren't available, which is weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe they're they're not really considered classics yet, Mike. That's true. We'll return next week to wrap up our season four with a movie that is from I think it's the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to be doing the Mike Myers starring. Soy married an axe murder. One of the movies that you actually don't really hear about. I mean, I love it, but I, you, when you hear Mike Myers, everyone just talks about Austin Powers or Shrek.
0: Yeah. You used to, they used to quote it all the time. And now after his other movies it kind of like faded away. Yeah.
1: Which it was a movie that I, I'm wondering, I haven't seen it in a while. And I'm wondering if the shtick will wear thin on me. <laughs> I just, cause remember I loved it back then. It was funny. I thought, you know, I always think about, you know, he pants now, that kind of yeah, stuff. And I haven't
0: seen it in years. And,
1: and there's, you know but I'm wondering if I'm going to like it as I used to, I always remember that I loved Anthony LaPaglia in that movie, in this movie. So I'm just wondering if it's going to hold up. So that's interesting.
0: So tune in. Oh. Hudson Hawk still heard, stood up for you. It did. So we'll see. I know. <laughs> I, and, it, and it might,
1: I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm kind of just tempering my yeah, enthusiasm. for the movie. I don't want people to think that I'm going to come back next week. Like, Oh God, guys, this is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. And as always, uh, feel free to suggest any movies you want. If you, uh, we we're going to be starting. We'll announce it. I would say next week, but at some point we're going to announce the season five uh, lineup. Line I up. would
0: say that by the time that they're listening to this, we've already yeah. Okay,
1: so you already know that we're doing a full season of suggestions. Uh, so, but we still take suggestions for other seasons and and on future episodes, we have no problem doing that. Uh, we want to do that. We want to do movies that you guys like, so that you you know kind of can disagree with us or agree with us when we talk about it. So sure. so absolutely the, the we don't get anywhere without our audience right mike
0: that's right and our audience can go to forgottenthepodcast.com <laughs> to make these comments and suggestions as well as hear past episodes from our previous seasons we're at the end of season 4 so if you guys are just listening to us now there's three other seasons for you guys to catch up on plus the back catalog of season 4 uh we do movies that are modern as well as movies that are older if this is the first time you're listening to us and you can also visit us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher and uh, don't forget to check out our merchandise store we got a merch store you can buy Shirts, mugs, leggings, ladies. Oh, boy. That's problematic, (laughs) Butler.
1: Nice. Quality. All right, everyone. Thank you. I am Mike Field. And I am Mike Butler. (laughs) You don't need to do it like that. You did it like that. Because I was pausing. Well, it sounded like you were doing a shtick. Well, you know what? This is Forgotten Cinema. Thanks for listening. Leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms.
0: You got hate, right, and it's killing brother love. (laughs)